0: Generic Youth Media Brand Podcast, episode four. A uh, couple things this one, and I feel like I'm going to say this a lot. Uh, but first up, uh, this is a long one, and I would say a pretty special one. So the way that this episode came about was a few days ago, I saw that there was a letter circulating around that was referencing the fact that at least 63 journalists have been killed in Gaza in Israel and in Lebanon. And letter was calling for a stop to the killings of these journalists. Now, you would think that this is a pretty uncontroversial thing to say. I mean, saying that you don't want journalists to die. Everybody can agree with that, especially other journalists. But I noticed myself hesitating to sign that letter. And I realized other people were probably feeling the same way. Some of them might have had the same reasons that I do. Some of them might have other reasons. And we'll talk about what I finally decided later on in the episode. But in order to really understand what was actually going on here in the background, I felt like I should probably talk to one of the people who actually wrote the letter. So I got in touch with somebody who put me in touch with Tanya Habjoka. And so this is that conversation. Oh, and by the way, we talk a lot about Tanya's experience and background in the beginning of this interview. And so if you want to jump right to the discussion of the letter, you can go to minute 46. And that's where it starts. Like I said, it's a long one. Anyway, let's get into it.
1: Hey. <laughs> How are you? I'm okay. Uh, sorry for being late. It was another adventure out of Bethlehem, this time 1.5 hours sitting at a checkpoint and then a ridiculous conversation with a soldier at the checkpoint. Uh, so just getting in now.
0: Yeah, there there's so much to, to get in background. Actually, I should, I should further also ask, uh where are you right now
1: as we speak i'm sitting at my desk in east jerusalem
0: got you and so tell me about this tell me about the checkpoint what 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 happened well, there cuz i cuz the thing was you you hit me just before we were about to talk to say yo uh i'm at a checkpoint i wish you could have seen that but i'm in a ch- i'm in a checkpoint now i'm so sorry which I'm not going to complain about that, but yeah. <laughs> it's uh
1: it's been a, well, it's been a, it's been a particular couple of months. And I think mm. anyone, the proximity, the proximity to what's happening in Gaza, it's very close for Palestinians. Um, there's so many people that have family members there or close friends. My daughter's best friend lost nine family members. And one night, um, and what's horrific is that some of some of the ones died actually during the rescue, during mm-hmm. trying to pulling them out from the rubble. So it's been an intense couple of months. But journalistically, personally, this week we were doing a story um, on the cancellation of Christmas Bethlehem, which has, as I'm sure you know, a rich history. You know, it's uh, considered to be the birthplace of Jesus and uh, both for, for believers, you know, spiritually, but also just practically economically. Um, it's it's Christmas in Bethlehem is huge, but they've canceled it this year in solidarity with what's happening in Gaza and an inability to celebrate. And so I've been doing a sort of political unpacking, emotional unpacking. What does yeah. the canceling of Christmas mean in Bethlehem? And the first night, which is when we first spoke to each other on voice notes, right? You couldn't, you, you know, because I've been going in and out of Ramallah and other West Bank cities, but I'd been hearing that Bethlehem was closed and it was like, it can't be. It's actually very close to Jerusalem and it's a very peaceful city. There's not, um, there's not a militancy there. I just thought, why would it be more closed than Ramallah? But it was nuts. Like, we couldn't get out. We tried every checkpoint and then the the hotels were all closed because everything's just completely at a standstill economically and it's wow. such a depressing place and then just just to share i entered one hotel one hotel trying to find a place for us to stay and i walk in and it was like the shining it was like this chandeliers and marble and the only thing on in the darkness was this tv on a stand a makeshift tv makeshift stand in the, in the lobby and um it was showing news of gaza It was eerie. It was just this giant echoing of, and then a drunk, and then it turns out there was a security guy kind of hidden on the couch and was practically in tears. No, we can't give you rooms. And then anyway, yeah. So, so getting out of Bethlehem is is crazy right now.
0: I'd love to back up a little bit because what most people probably don't realize is this is the first time we've ever spoken. I've never seen your face. You've never seen my face. We've only heard each other's voices as you're talking about we're talking about scheduling that's it so even for my benefit um could you introduce tanya could you introduce yourself
1: <laughs> sure yeah just just launched in there didn't i <laughs> yeah no that's
0: great that listen that that's the preview that's the preview but for for the for the benefit of chad for the benefit of me
1: my name is tanya habjoka i am half texan half jordanian um minority group from jordan we're Circassians. Uh, and I have been based. I have been covering Palestine since late 2009. I have two Palestinian children uh, that motivate a lot of the work that I do in, in terms of my personal documentary work and books that are uh, that have been have been created and are being created. Often thinking about the narrative of who they are that isn't represented visually. That's a big motivation in my work and lastly just to say um i'm primarily an anthropologist that's how i think i think in metaphors and and short story I, I i i'm obsessed with short stories raymond carver that's how i try to visually illustrate but ultimately i'm constantly um thinking as an anthropologist in how i dissect and and play play with narratives bring ideas forward
0: i love i love that you refer to yourself as half texan specifically you know, texan. You know-
1: you know people from Texas. Texans I mean, are Texans.
0: Yeah, yeah that, that's why I'm saying that this is this is a very Texan thing. Yeah, Texans Texans are very particular people. So yeah. So we said Texas is another country that's adjacent to the United States. That is an accurate. <laughs> that is an accurate statement. That is an accurate statement. Um, favorite favorite Ooh. Texan hip hop artist. Favorite Tex uh hip hop artist from Texas. Who you got? <sighs>
1: You know, it's, uh, I I did my undergrad at uh, UNT, which is one of the most musical places on Mm -hmm. earth. And uh, back then I was actually dating uh, one of the maestros from the Gone Ensemble, but they kind of, they've disappeared. Music used to be the forefront of my life. I mean, you Mm -hmm. used to walk down the street and there would be competing house parties and you would choose which party you went to based on the music that was coming out. Yes, but I, oh God, I missed that. I, I have been in the in the Middle East so long now that I can't tell you who my favorite. I'm. I'm like super old school with the hip hop that no, I love. Okay. I, I love tribe roots. Uh, I love all that kind of. But I I know that's at a particular time. <laughs> that's all
0: right. So can I can I make you jealous and say that I got to interview Bun B once?
1: Yeah, you can. You can make me very jealous. <laughs> what was that like? What was the, was there awe? Was, were, were they humble? That's the thing is like, it's so disappointing when you meet someone that you revere yeah. that isn't humble. So many times, a lot of artists aren't. Like, what was that like?
0: No, but so, I mean, you know, this is this is all in, in Houston after, um, you know, immediately after the murder of George Floyd. And um, you might know this. So George Floyd showed up on a couple of screw tapes uh, because he was a rapper also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, you know, I went back to his old neighborhood um, and let's see. There were a few people there who, you know, I could rattle off names. You'd recognize them. Um, But Trey the Truth was there and. And Bun B happened to be there. I wasn't planning on talking to him either. But he just happened to be there. But he was very cool. He was very cool. Um, he just... He was extremely... he, he was, What I really appreciated about him was he was extremely real with me. He was telling me... One of the things that really stood out to me was he said... Um, basically, there's a corner store that is in the neighborhood. There was a big mural of George Floyd on the wall there and everybody's coming by and leaving flowers and things like that and he said something like you know if this was any other time you couldn't even be here wow you couldn't even be here because the block is that hot and like if if somebody doesn't know you and you know you look it's would would something bad happen every single day no but he was trying to impress upon me look this is a dangerous area but the fact that everybody is is just like outsiders are just walking around milling around taking pictures freely and nobody's asking them questions where are you from who are you here to see that is a testament to what how many people truly love george floyd that was what he was saying and i thought okay wow he's he because he didn't know george floyd personally but he knew the area well enough and he knew the general just vibe of this of the place to be able to tell me that but the fact that he was so forthcoming with that um I thought was really cool yeah. well, it's
1: crazy. when you were saying that story it just reinforced this idea I always have which is that Texas and the Middle East is kind of there's so many parallels and like really? that's yeah well there's the hospitality and the rawness and the realness and the goodness there's that mm-hmm. but then there's also the no doubt, the ugliness and the racism and all the other elements and the fact that you have to code switch and that certain neighborhoods, why are you here? Why are you? And then of course, police, and there's, there's so many parallels in how you have to move yeah. and which Texas, it depends on, you know, you've got the minorities, you've got people that are treated a certain way. I mean, there's so many parallels, but then mm-hmm. and there's also the, the, I think for for some settlers for example there's this sort of cowboy cowboy and indian already problematic genre right, sort of right, fantasy right. Mm-hmm. and like actually during during this uh in the the first couple of weeks when there were more airstrikes on tel aviv um it's been quiet for the la- more or less quiet for the for the last couple of weeks uh, in tel aviv and i think there was an occasional but there was one on the highway and we pulled over and cars just pulled over. You could hear the sirens and you didn't know what was happening. And so people ran and they jumped in the dirt under a tree. And I happened to just fall in the dirt next to a father who was holding his kids. And we were kind of sitting, listening to the very eerie sounds. And the guy said, where, where, where are you from? Like this question. I get I just got at the checkpoint. Where are you from? And we're sitting there and I said, Texas. And he goes, oh. And he went like this. He did like the finger guns. He goes, same <laughs> it was like but different. <laughs> like,
0: yeah. Wait, comparing airstrikes to Texas cowboy, is this it, what
1: we're talking about? I think he's thinking like just the fact that you need guns, the fact that there's this, I can only read into it because we parted ways with the sirens went. We didn't unpack it, but yeah. it's not the first time I've heard that. I've heard, I've heard that from cops, from settlers, from, there's this idea of this sort of understanding, oh, this is what we have to put up with. You know, the need for security, all of that. The idea that we're, and, and and they're not wrong. There is, there are elements. That's not my Texas. Just like the Palestine that is misrepresented is not my Palestine. So that that idea of this with, I can't deny it exists, but that's that's not my Texas.
0: Man held up the finger guns for the, to say Texas, just like, just like here wow that is in that is incredible the the hospitality thing totally makes sense i'll 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 tell i'll tell you one of mine also from that same experience but i'd love to tell you you'd tell me more about it um because during the same interview so it's hot it's hot and we're sitting we're actually sitting in front of george floyd's old house it's been boarded up it's abandoned um but you know we're kind of sitting in the shadows but it's still really hot this woman comes up and you can just tell by the way she comes in and everybody steps aside everybody here knows her and i talked to her afterwards her name's mama Nell. we gave her a lower third um because she she walks in inter- interrupts the interview camera's running mics running doesn't care walks up reaches into the bag because like i said it was a corner store reaches into the bag hands us some waters and just i'm happy you're here and just hands everybody water. I, she maybe knew who she she probably knew who Trey was. She because everybody knows Trey. Everybody recognized Trey. Um and Bun probably, she doesn't know me. I've never been there before. I'm a total stranger. Hands all of us waters. And then and then leaves. She just wanted to make sure that we we were hydrated. That was it. And she went to the store, bought ice cold waters, and brought them to us. I know you've got a million like that.
1: The Texas, I know that's my yeah. Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds right, And that sounds like that's what would happen here.
0: Mm. This is a big question, I know, but what's what's been your experience recently? Let's talk about before the war.
1: <sighs> before the war, I was you this know to, before the war, journalism has really taken an economic hit in the last few years, and I've I've mm. always been. Lancer, there's freedom with that. You have less uh, regulations of what you can and can't do, mm-hmm. and I I like very much that. And, but but it was easier before when there were more assignments. But then it things had got pretty dire. So I I actually had to take the you know COVID really we took a hit.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. So I was I actually took a job uh, doing investigations and research for a UN agency for a while. And I've been working on my uh, book. So that's where my heart was, is I, I also narratively was exhausted before the war. Mm-hmm. And I went to New York this summer with the plan of, you know, I was the grandiose notion of uh, working on a Guggenheim grant. And, but in the end, I just took edibles every day and went to a tree, <laughs> and, like stared at this tree because <laughs> I was... Really- to be honest, narratively fucked up and exhausted personal mm. things as well. As this place, this, the, the the constant ugliness and heartbreak that you're documenting. Yeah, yeah. And that's where I was at. I got back in uh, September <laughs> and I was like, okay, it's time to finish this book and can re- reconsider. I was looking at doing a PhD in anthropology. I was looking at, like, I, I was like, I had to reinvent myself. Journalism isn't. I'm not surviving. Um,
0: yeah, what what's the was the book about? Tell me, tell me about the the book. What's the book you're planning on writing?
1: It's called. Uh, well, it's it's primarily ph- photographic, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of like um, there's a lot of research from healers from uh, uh, prison uh, letters from prison uh, ones that were archived and kind of hidden. There's a lot of different layers within this photo book, and there is text. But it's not. It's it's. A, there's a fantastic designer in Amsterdam working on it. But I, I took a pause for like a year. I just wasn't in a headspace to create. So that was it. This this year was supposed to be finishing this book, um, um, Birds Unaccustomed to Gravity. Uh, this year was. I should have been re- finishing up my letters, my applications for the for the grads. You know, for the PhD program. That's what I was supposed to be doing. I. October 7th came and yeah it bit everyone it it was one of the most jarring and horrific and I, I think narratively what that what that weekend met, meant and brought yeah I, and I don't think people have figured out how to talk about it yet mm. because it's a people because that that was a horrific weekend it was something horrific that happened and there are those that I've interviewed that have said you know um this is going to be controversial I'm quoting someone Mm -hmm. they said um for the first time in, in in the history of this land not referencing previous pain and horrors in Europe but for the first time in the history of this land there was a moral high ground in that we what happened that the the things that happened in those those that october 7th and 8th but the problem was is that almost immediately that launching into gaza just what happened is this just just this and then it just kept it's it's escalating and escalating and i think that there are people that i interview who Mm. they're they're in just brutal shock. I have never seen this place so depressed. So and it's it's and it's 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 dire. And 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 other than the, the and there's a lot of pain all around and I don't think people yeah. are able to talk about that pain and this pain and that's sad. But that's where we're at right now. I think social media is Never been more toxic, and never been a space less of a space to discuss things. And journalism, I mean, that has been, you know, that the first few days I was I was assigned to NPR, and I went and I covered. I went to the kibbutz, and I saw firsthand. Um, and I had for the first time in my life uh, a l- little bit of hate campaign from people that I've been not from. Directly, it was more people in diaspora, mm-hmm. but rage that I covered those events, a sort of misunderstanding of what journalism was. And there was that. And tell, then, tell, tell,
0: tell me about that. What, what, do you, what do you mean there?
1: Some really pointed, ugly comments saying that I had participated in uh, a Zionist narrative simply by. Being on assignment for NPR simply for having interviewed someone who uh, had a relative that was taken hostage, for documenting uh, Sderot um, during that, that week, that the following week when it was very tense and there were uh, still, you know, the, the Iron Dome was you know in full effect and uh, what it was a ghost town. Um, yeah, and I I was a bit baffled because there was no, you know, it was visually, journalistically sound, mm-hmm. and I was disappointed, but I, it was so intense and, and quick. There was no time for, and then there were, you know, but then, of course, I went and I documented the, un, the spiraling. I mean, it's a consistent violence in the West Bank, uh, that brutal system, but it's, it's something else. It's on, it's on cocaine speed right now. Uh for a million years we could go into, and I was working on a deep dive with The New Yorker on that uh which hopefully will come out soon, and so that also took a lot of so you 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 know you were in this kibbutz and you've witnessed that the immediate aftermath, but then you're like immediately jumping into um Palestinian farmers being shot uh simply for their olive harvest and then then you know you're jumping into these realities like I walked up to. A group of kids right at right at the gate of the settlement. And they were, they were enacting, they were like uh building something and 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 playing with a shovel. And they were singing a song as I walked up and they were really cute. They were wearing the kippahs and they had, you know, and they were like uh singing a song, and I didn't know what they were singing, but they came and one of them hugged me and they were singing to me because they wouldn't imagine that I'm that I'm Arab, that that I have Palestinian kids. They wouldn't imagine that, you know, looking at me. And I asked my colleague. I said, "What are they saying?" <laughs> they were singing "Death to Arabs." These really small children, like oh, seven God. years old, you know. And that's not the worst of what I've been hearing and what. And it, so it's just like it's almost been like I, anthropology has sort of saved me because it's allowed me not only to code switch, and I suspect you are someone that knows and has needed to code switch too. And I think that's an important trait. I dabble. I dabble. And,
0: I've been, I've been known to participate. <laughs> occasionally. Yeah. You know.
1: So yeah, the anthropology is how to stay sane because you're in mm-hmm. these very surreal conversations and you're listening to people and their pain and their inability to see other people's pain. And you're just, yeah.
0: Yeah. And a- a- anthropology here. So- sometimes I, I wish it just in English, we would have figured out a better way to go than like, just being fancy and use all these latin phrases and stuff like that this is why i like other languages because they're just so much more direct anthropology it's just like the study of people just human study anthropo you know anthropos the people ology study you're just studying people that's it human beings why do they do what they're doing that's basically it um but no i agree i've definitely been in that you know in that thing where there's so much or that mindset where there's so much ugliness all around you in the past and in the present. And really the only way to even get through it is to attempt at least to remove yourself a little bit and try to understand why they would do that. I mean, I cannot imagine walking up and seeing some cute kids singing, waving to you and you find out they're singing about you dying. That that's, I hope nobody's ever in that position, um, ever. Uh, but I've certainly not been in that, and I can't imagine what that would be like. Jeez, it
1: just broke my heart for the kids. It yeah. broke my heart for the kids. As well, you know, like it was telling. But that's, and then you know, it's, and, and 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 journalists like it has not been. It's a it's a different. It's a game changer. Mm-hmm. What's going on with uh, settler violence? it's, it's, it's unfettered. It's, it feels intentional. It feels, it's, it's definitely moving into a different direction. um, as well as the way soldiers have been treating um, journalists, mm-hmm. foreign journalists, usually foreign, usually, you know, being uh, white passing and, you know, you can move. I mean, in general at checkpoints, I have a technique I put on Western music when I can, I show skin, but if I, if I'm not, if, you know, I'm my, in my Giordano clothes right now, but I uh, I put my you know my music on and I sort of purse my lips and I look entitled. I have a facial expression <laughs> that I have perfected, bored and entitled. And you don't look at them because if you look at them, you're doubting. You don't this. You're not entitled. So right. I just look. Be careful because that could backfire. So I'm my periphery is in case they wave. You know, no no one wants to get shot. You <laughs> know, so I, you know, but that works. I, I pass. So. Mm other than I, I was shot in the thigh once uh, and shortly right beside me, an elderly man was shot in the eye by a rubber bullet. But in general, I can move in the West bank, could move. But the other day in an olive grove while investigating a spot where, a, where a settler had shot a, a very simple farmer, a man who was just harvesting olives, he, um, we were trying to find the tree where it had happened and we were looking at the video and we were walking in this olive grove. And then suddenly this light came on because it was right around dusk and this light came on from the settlement very ominously. And I thought we better get out of here, you know, and we mm. turned back and we were walking and there had been Palestinians we would chatted with that were sort of quietly picking olives on the side, thinking they'd be safe at dusk and on the side. Yeah. And I heard screaming in Hebrew and I look up, and there's three soldiers up above us and they're screaming, they're angry. And so I immediately say, English, American journalist, and they're still screaming and I repeat it. And then they switched to English and said, put your cameras put your cameras down. And I immediately, like I didn't, I wasn't here to get shot again. I just immediately listened. But despite that, as I'm putting the cameras down carefully and slowly, they cocked their guns twice. And I, I had never had that happen. In in any of the countries I've worked in in the in the greater region, and I put my hands up, he put his hands up, and then they screamed at the Palestinian harvesters to put their hands up, and we were all there standing with our hands up. And they said, "Come up," and I said, "Can I pick up my cameras?" They said, "Yeah, yeah." And we and as we're walking, one of the Palestinians whispered to me, "Don't speak Arabic." It's like, thanks, <laughs> obviously. But then he was like, he broke my, head. He said, "Please don't leave us." I said, "Of course not," you know. And we got to the top. And they checked his passport, and they let him go. And then they asked for my passport. My passport says it's American, but it says born in Jordan. I, I in this state, normally I wouldn't have thought twice about it, but in this state, I'm like, I don't, I don't know. So I showed my, my my press card, and he was like, "Oh, but where's your passport?" I just said, "Oh, this this is. I thought this is all I needed." And then I started joking, and where are you from? Where are you from? Texas. I'm from Texas, and I just started like making you know jokes and. And then he calmed down, and then he started to turn towards the Palestinians. And I said, "Yo, you know, they were just—they weren't with us. They weren't with us." He goes, "I know." I go, "No, no, but they were." And he interrupted me, and uh, he goes, "I know, all of shit." And then I tried to speak again, and he goes, "Don't worry, I'm not going to shoot them." And it was just <laughs> so. It's it's a particular time here. It's. Guns, guns in Israel. Civilians, civilians. There have never been more guns. I was, we were interviewing. Um, yeah, I, I, want, I want, I want, to,
0: I want to back up just real quick, just just to really yeah. sit that that one moment there. One of these people told you, "Hey, don't speak Arabic because that you will be safer like that." So recognizing that, hey, you have a get out of this situation free card please use it for your own benefit. Also in the same breath, please don't leave us because if an outsider, if an entitled outsider is not watching, we don't know what's going to happen. Exactly. Man. Just this, even just the order in which you're, you're describing it. I mean, it's, it's a, in understanding on that on their part right that hey you're one of us but you can get out of here and if you can I'd like you to I hope that you'll also help but if you can't I get it get out of here though get out of the situation I can't I can't pretend that I'm not from here you you can that's that's the privilege
1: that's the privilege
0: man but just even that somebody would ask you for on your own bed, you know, on your own for your own well-being. Please use that. I'd like to see you get out of here. That's that is heavy. The, and there's, I, mean, I imagine there's got to be a lot of moments like that. That has to be, you know, one after the other. But Yeah. I'm sorry I interrupted you.
1: <laughs> no I was no, it's good because I, when i get started i'm like <laughs> no, super no, adhd
0: so i want to be i want to be extra real here you know i don't want to get in a situation where we're where, where we come off as or we do start saying things like oh my gosh it's so hard being a journalist it's so hard being a journalist it is it's also hard working at the grocery store in a war zone you know what i mean it's also hard raising your kids it's also hard Being a kid, all these other things, all these things are difficult. We just, we're familiar with the ways that we experience difficult situations, right? We also happen to have microphones and cameras and stuff like that. And so when a journalist is feeling down about something, you tend to hear from us before you hear from the person who delivers eggs or who delivers the mail or who make sure that the cell phone towers are working you know what i mean so let, let's set the table there and just make sure that everybody understands that um you you're covering you, you were saying that you got some people pretty angry with you on, on some things you were covering and i assume people who very much appreciated past work that you've done um and you know people in diaspora right saying hey you're contributing to a you know a zionist narrative that kind of thing This is where I think a lot of this this stuff can get difficult. And you said, and it's interesting to hear you say that social media has never been more toxic. It's impossible to have a conversation on social media because this is precisely what I think everybody says this. This is maybe the one thing that anybody agrees on is that, Oh, social media, nobody, nobody's listening to each other kind of thing. And that itself gets frustrating. Um, that there's all oh, you know just kind of throwing your hands up we can't do anything nothing can be done here you know and and i hesitate to use this phrase uh but you have covered very hesitant on this phrase but both sides very hesitant please please recognize that i'm being very hesitant with this phrasing very <laughs> hesitant with this yeah. phrasing um yeah. but but if we are to divide it down the middle which it's not you know somebody sent the comments very very Uh, astutely here that there is there is a lot of gray in this area right you would know this much better than i do um that it can be difficult to recognize a reality and i think this is something that i think certainly some populations have had much much more difficult than others right? Getting other people to recognize their reality. Hey, this is the reality we've been living in for decades and decades and generations, right? But, you know, you as somebody who it's, you know, you're an anthropologist, you study people. Um, What has it been like for you truly having to listen to anybody you talk to? You know, you're, you're walking up and you're seeing kids you know cute little kids singing death to arabs you don't realize that until somebody translates it for you at some point you're gonna have to talk to maybe that kid's parent maybe not specifically that kid's parent but people like that who you're gonna need to ask them questions maybe they feel like that you're gonna need to ask everybody questions what is it like for you going into spaces that are maybe very friendly to you or maybe very hostile to you. And you have to ask them, why do you feel the way you feel? What have you experienced? What what is that like?
1: I think that's why I reference the, the anthropology because it's almost like a mantra of sanity (laughs) because if I, you know, I even say I, I say I give advice to people that are like, oh, I'm, I'm I'm coming into the airport. I usually get hassled, or I'm coming into the bridge the first time, and I always say, hey, anthropology mode, mm-hmm. and it's kind of a protective mode where there may be ugly things that are being said or happening, but if you if you just switch it to trying to understand, okay, this is what they're saying. Why are they saying it? Is there is there an intent? Is there is there a methodology? What what's behind it? And 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 you just and then once you go down that line of questioning, it kind of gives you a bit of a grounding in that moment because at least you're thinking and you're using part of your brain, and it's not just you're not just experiencing it. There's something that there's a, there's a, an agency that you have when you, yeah. when agency is taken away. From you say at a checkpoint or when you're hearing something ugly. And you know, fundamentally, you know, something that is being said about, for example, the Palestinian population, you know, it's so I also simultaneously when they're telling me about Palestinians being worse than trash Palestinians, like just the things that I've been hearing Mm. and I'm thinking about my kids, but I'm also in that moment, like thinking, wow, if they met my children, if they met, if they knew these children, if, and I'm trying to like understand, Right. no, no delusion that (laughs) i'm gonna change anything but it's just like there's a bit of agency when you're in that anthropological mode and i also want to say that i understand how privileged i am to be again i also cringe at the at the both sides yeah but i also you know palestinians and and please please anybody
0: please anybody who's listening note that both of us when we say both sides we're doing huge Massive air quotes. I just want to make sure that everybody's aware of this. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, uh, I also think about the fact how painful it must be, and that futility of pain. And you're just watching. You know, I've never been able to be. I've never been in Gaza during the the four previous brutal. Uh, this this what's happening now is on a whole other scale. But mm-hmm. I've been the person sitting and 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 sharing and scrolling the images of what's happening in Gaza. Um, I, I understand the, the futility and pain of just consuming this on social media, and not having, and again, privilege, not being able to, the agency to, to to cover your own story. West Bankers being unable to leave their cities now more than ever. At least before, you know, before the war, Palestinians could cover other cities. Now, really, most of the cities are under lockdown. The, the checkpoints are insane at this point. But then, let's not even talk about the Palestinians in Jordan or in Lebanon who can't narrate their own reality the the journals who can't tell their stories so it's also a privilege of and again that word but yeah to be able to to be here it's it's important what you do with with that privilege in the sense of yeah i'm rambling a bit you get me
0: no no i I get it i get it um i want to I want to even take a step over and and you were talking about the book that you were working on. And so, I mean, it's incredible that you had taken some time and you said, okay, September, I'm going to come back and I'm going to get to work on this. I want to slide over a little bit. Can we, can we get a little bit of a preview of this, of this work that you were doing? The birds unaccustomed to gravity. Can we take a look at it? Yes. Okay, great. So I'm going to pull this up again for anybody, uh, you know, who's listening, because I know some people will will mostly listen to this. And, of course, that's totally cool. But
1: That's my favorite image from the series, but I don't know. So this is Beta, which is a uh, Palestinian village, town, village, close to Nablus. And it was really in the media uh, in the last few years because they started a resistance model, uh, Night of Confusion. And what they would do, because there, there were already settlements nearby, but settlers were making another land grab and coming very, very close and also appropriating, misappropriating more land. Mm-hmm. And so they would get lasers that are like and cheapy lasers that you would maybe use for a presentation or whatever. But at yeah. night, it was quite active, And they would flash it to towards the settlers. Mm-hmm. And then simultaneously, they would have like crazy, like it would be, Uh, music or uh, the Quran, and it would be blasting music. And so it was this, it was this movement of protecting their land. And what they would talk about as well is, you know, other than protecting our land, we're also protecting our lives because several years before there had been in a village, not far away in Duma, Mm -hmm. there had been a settler on the, the house closest to the street that had come and lit the house on fire, and an infant died, and two parents died, and the only survivor was a was a. So they said we're also we are already going through the checkpoints and dealing with all of that, but they were af- afraid of that proximity of these sort of things happening. And so this image for me uh, embodies first of all, falahi is like it's like uh, the Arabic word for for farmer. So it's like falahi Star Wars. I just love this image because you know there's just there they are nobly. But it's just, it's a couple of, of lasers, you know? And yeah, so, the l- little laser yeah.
0: pointers, yeah, like you said, that you use for for uh, for a presentation or something like that. You know, dollar laser pointers, and they're just shining off in the distance. You can't tell what they're doing. But yeah, no, now that you mention it, it kind of does look like, like Star Wars. But knowing, I guess, would somebody who's familiar with the situation, because I have no idea what they're doing, would somebody who's familiar with it, would they know exactly what this is?
1: yeah i believe I believe they would really? or they should uh, it was you know um Hammmed al did an amazing article on this uh i think it was in the nation um it was it was actually a well covered phenomenon because it briefly worked so, actually it, it worked to some degree. the settlers retreated from the land grab, but mm-hmm. then the army came in because i i you know, we could unpack their reasoning for that. I don't think they wanted to encourage such, but it was kind of. There was there was a lot of kids. There, there there were deaths. There were kids that lost eyes. There were kids that lost. They 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 suffered for this yeah. resistance, but um, it was seen as a as a bit of a as a victory, you know, because there was a, a retreat. Um, yeah. So that's the thing. That's where I'm playing. I'm trying to play in these metaphors and just mm. a wide story, trying to sort of frame it down to a, a Raymond Carver punch you know in a single frame that's what mm. i'm trying to do a lot of these yeah. images I mean, there's going to be context and text and um yeah
0: okay in the book wow yeah see looking at this i, I would have absolutely no idea i'd see a couple ogs shining some lasers oh. off into the distance there's a little bit of smoke i have no idea that this is some kind of you know this is part of a resistance that's being essentially fought with laser pointers and music, which is kind of incredible uh I mean look this is this is art is is there another one you want to look at? This
1: is a refugee camp in Bethlehem, and it's a trick of the eye um, um there was a study uh, some years ago um I believe it was Berkeley that said that the most tear gas civilian population on earth is in. I had a refugee camp, which happens to be in Bethlehem. Yeah. And this uh, was so we, we did a deep dive. It was a project I was doing with Amnesty. And um, we were interviewing women who had had uh, miscarriages as a result of the tear gas. Mm-hmm. Baby, you know, babies who almost died. One that had been put into a drawer, an infant that had been put into a drawer because they were so desperate. They didn't know what else to do. There was so much. The, the baby, they died, they thought. It was dead for X amount of minutes, but then, and now I bet the baby's a four-year-old with asthma. So so anyway, I was interviewing a woman, there's a woman, a mother behind this uh, beautiful girl, and uh, she initially didn't want to be photographed. And I told her, yeah, that's okay. I just want to hear your story. And as she described, she was pregnant here as well. She was taking another chance. She'd two children from uh, miscarriages and she uh her story was was so intense and reconnected at the point and i just said i i would love to illustrate your story in any way but it's okay if you don't want to and i said you know one way is and she was like yeah you know because i was taking a, and and, and that's how the, the the girl sat on her mother's lap to uh obscure her mother's face and protect her identity for wow. and if you go yeah if somebody really wanted to find out they could ask who the girl is, et cetera, et cetera. But that's what the the mother just didn't want to show her face. Mm. And so.
0: Did she say what? And another
1: step. up. Usually it can be a mix of things. It can be a sense of propriety, Mm. privacy. Um, This, this can happen a lot in in our region. There's the, in some cases there is an idea that children. uh, That there's too many children uh, to, to to track down that there's some sense of like they, you know, the children and, and, and these communities are the most precious thing. But at the same time, quite often, they're most of the time, they, they're okay with the children being photographed. So mm-hmm. there's probably but one step further, is she described the the previous child who had died, she felt very attached to it, despite the, you know, she you know miscarried. Um, and she said, oh, the child is in this uh, cemetery. And they told me that she's in the most beautiful spot with a tree. And so we decided to go to the cemetery and we asked the, the, her father, the, the mother's father, the, the grandfather of this little girl, where can you describe where in the cemetery? And we found the stone. Wow. There was no tree. There was no tree. And it was just, there, there were no trees. It was just a sad little plot of land. Uh, there's no space for Palestinians, let alone the graveyards, you know, as a refugee camp. Um, that was a bit sad. But I think they had told her that to protect, to to, to give her ease. We obviously didn't relay back to her what happened what we found
0: oh my gosh i mean it's beautiful and alternately sad i'm not maybe both i guess i guess it has to be both wow We haven't made it hardly anywhere through these pictures, and this is, <laughs> this is already almost <laughs> too much. I'm going to click, click right one more time. I, I, I don't want to keep you too long because I know there's one specific thing we want to talk talk about, uh, which is this letter. So the reason that you and I came into contact, we, we were able to speak, is um, I heard about this letter going around, and it's, it was titled for our colleagues, and it's a very short letter um so you know we'll let's let's read it i don't know so I'll, I'll read the first one here we go as members of the international journalism community we call for an end to the killing of journalists and any threats to the media covering the israeli bombardment in gaza and lebanon and the escalating violence in the region we call for the protection of all of our colleagues by all parties it's probably an important phrasing there I keep going. You want to do it? Up to you. (laughs) You know what? I'd love to do it. It's interesting to hear it read by someone else. Okay. Yeah, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so next paragraph. And this is a short one. Um, The past eight weeks have been the deadliest for our colleagues since the Committee to Protect journalists began gathering data 30 years ago. As of December 8th, which is today, uh, four days ago, um, at least 63 journalists have been killed. 56 in Gaza, 4 in Israel, and 3 in Lebanon. That's an average of one journalist killed per day. Palestinian journalists reporting in Gaza are doing so amid carnage and destruction, exposing horrors that would otherwise remain invisible to the outside world. Journalists there have not only lost their homes and family members in the bombings, but also face dire living conditions with limited food, water, and electricity due to a complete siege. Meanwhile, Restricted access and communication blockouts have suppressed the flow of information. And there are links to a lot of the phrases in here for sourcing and all that. In Lebanon, journalists are not safe either. On one occasion, tank fire from Israel killed one journalist among a group of colleagues that were identifiable as press. On a second occasion, Israeli strikes killed two journalists. Israeli journalists are also working amidst. Personal loss and in a climate of worsening press freedom. In the occupied West Bank, Israeli forces arrested at least 19 journalists, mostly during raids on their homes, and harassed, assaulted, and detained scores. This must stop. Journalism play, journalism plays an essential role in documenting history and serving the public interest by exposing realities too often obscured by disinformation and misinformation. Both of those words there. I think the distinction is important. Um, our reporting can reveal the true costs of war. We stand with all of our colleagues and condemn the killing of journalists. We remind all parties that attacks, targeting civilians, including journalists, violate international law. We call on the international community to uphold freedom of the press and to protect the lives and safety of members of the media. We demand an end to the impunity of, in the killing of journalists and we call for those found responsible to be held to account and then the end of it uh and it says sign under the statement and there are as of the time we're reading this um 1828 people who have also signed i think when i saw it it was under 500 or it was right around there 500 800 something we're up, to,
1: something. We're up to, we we check we verify names we we check their Instagram. We make sure they're real. And mm-hmm. so we don't – actually, uh, before you and I spoke, the number was up to 1,874. They haven't updated it yet. There's probably more. And we have so far 65 uh, visual and media uh, and art institutions. Okay. Uh, signed it as well.
0: Yeah, because it, it, if you scroll down through this, I mean, if you get go down pretty far, you start to see – names you know individuals names but if at the top these are you know institutions these are organizations um you know the coalition for women in journalism documentary storytellers uh frontline club frontline freelance mexico image agency um magnum photos places i'm not as familiar with but i can recognize okay these are these are places this isn't just an individual person so I I thought it was important to to talk a bit about you uh, to know, okay, who are we speaking to? Um, But now I'd love to get into if we can. um, What was the genesis of, of writing this letter? And I, I imagine it must've been difficult to put together because you have, if you want so many people to sign, the wording has to be probably, I'm imagining just, just so, you know, just right. So, Um, What can you tell me about the process of this whole thing?
1: The irony is an amazing uh, German photographer had opened up an Instagram dialogue. And I'd never seen Instagram used in this way. And it was about AI. The conversation was about what they feared was problematic language that was being introduced on AI to the World Press Photo, which is a very important institution for visual uh, uh, storytellers, journalists. Mm -hmm. So people started to debate uh, I leaned into it. I looked, there were smart things that were being said. It wasn't just, uh, self-important. It wasn't just self-interest. There was some yeah. really interesting and I, I followed it through. And in the end, this, this man managed to bring people together, have a conversation, make a list, turn it to world press photo. And within 24 hours, we have the director writing us and saying, thank you for reaching out to us. Thank you for informing us of these. Ideas. And and we stand with you and, and they mm-hmm. removed the problem and, and it was wonderful. But at the same time that this was happening, there were people that were in pain and outraged. How dare they talk about this? And they haven't made a statement about Gaza.
0: Uh, so thought, y- y'all out here talking about AI and talking about the computers coming to take your jobs. And there's actually people dying. And you yeah. made a statement about one. And listen, we don't like the robots but is, is any more than you do. Uh, but can we focus on the important things? Is that, is that kind of the vibe?
1: yeah so at the end but again i just there was just so much emotion and pain mm-hmm. and i i saw in watching the very smart dialogues i knew that there were there were allies in there and i knew that there would be people to discuss this so i waited till it was the it was done people were like great and then i said hey and it was a plaintive, exhausted hey can anyone what if, what if we use this 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 energy and this amazing group that has come together and what if we draft a letter about what's happening in Gaza right now, what's mm-hmm. happening, uh, and immediately, immediately, three, four, or five people said yes, immediately without it. Please, yes. I think everyone was sort of looking. Think, what can we do? Right. And I put open WhatsApp link, and that's that was the origin. Um, and then some people were more active than others, and so we. Th- 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 but that's initially how we came together. And the sad part is, is that. The rage, you know, the rage about the fact that there was a conversation around AI. And then, of course, there's, we had a previous letter that was also, some would have seen was was toned down. But we had a stronger letter, the first, mm. the first version, which we were very careful to draft. Because we looked at the letters that existed. A, a, a photographer I respect immensely, Palestinians from Gaza, um, who weighed in and said, look, at the end of the day, we need the borders to open up there. We need electricity. We need goods. We need international journalists and aid workers and everyone in to provide us cover. We need to stop dying. That's mm-hmm. what we need. Because there was a lot of the um, issues of representation and very fair issues of, oh, with the when the foreigners go in, they'll quit hiring the, you know, a lot of rage. Uh, you know, look at the amazing job they've been doing and their jobs are gonna be taken the minute that the that that foreign white Western journalists go in, you know, and, and that's fair, uh, that has happened again and again, but it was like, guys, let's, let's, those issues we can address. We're getting momentum. We're making, we're, we're, we're making a community here, a concerned community, but right now we need to talk about just people are dying daily, vast numbers, horrible numbers. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we, we, we listened and we leaned into that and then we decided that there were stronger letters out there, stronger words, words like genocide, et cetera. But we chose to use very journalistic language. And the first letter, we started to, we were gaining momentum about 500 signatures. And then we we got, I can't go into too many details, but we got word that some of the people, because anyone could have seen that that, that had the link shared, could have seen who had signed. Right. And we got word that there were people who had signed that did not know that their jobs were at risk. And yeah. that's what, what do do with that, the, the first thing we did was immediately take it off. We, we, we reached out to the people that in question and we took it offline where no one could. And then we re redrafted, we re we had a lot of conversations because the other point mm. that was brought from the, the journalist immensely I respect was, in the, the Gazan-Palestinian journalist was, listen, all of these points that are being made, the only we need the institutions. If we just have another letter, a photojournalist, it means nothing. We need institutions mm-hmm. to lean in, to protect their own people, to discuss what's happening. That's what we need. And so we yeah. leaned into that. And in doing so, if we wanted the institutions, we knew we had to use... And that's why it took us a long time to draft that second letter. Mm-hmm. And that's where we... We had we, we we lost some people who felt the letter was was too weak, but we also explained, draft another letter you know th- there's many letters and, and many approaches that can be taken right now, but right now yeah. we're we're leaning to our voices are what's our power We are well, if we call it power, but what stance do we have? what legs do we have to stand on? We're journalists we're going to use journalistic language, and if this letter. That's so simply worded. If if institutions can't sign on and saying, Hey, protect journalists, stop killing journalists, that's kind of insane, you know?
0: Yeah. So many things in there uh that I think we could talk about, right? I mean, I, I think there's there's three. One was and this this was something that that I, I had noticed, of course. Um is that th- there's some words that aren't in there. There's some words that aren't in there that, that some people are very uncomfortable with and the, the others would say no these are completely appropriate words to use and if you don't use them you're doing a disservice to to explaining and describing what's happening right the, the phrase genocide does not show up in there the phrase apartheid does not show up in there um there, there there's so many other things that Truly I think for some for many and I think for very a lot of very reasonable people who i who I respect and would say you're not calling this what it is, so what are you doing right and then the other side of having to balance that with what is the point you know what what is the point of this listen i I recognize that also and and by the way it it, it wasn't immediately clear perhaps look I'm on here, so let 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 there no let there be no misunderstanding misunderstanding about this. Like I'm on here, okay. And so would I have written this differently? Sure, probably. Which is weird to say from somebody who isn't over there and has never been there. I'd love to go someday. Um, I'd love to go safely. Also,
1: my house is your house, and that's a sincere invitation. Come, but but please continue. Yes.
0: Stop it.
1: I mean it.
0: <laughs> Keep I'm going to take you face. up on that. Don't don't play with me. Don't play with me. I'm going to take you up on that. Thank you. I mean, also, not that you've never been to L.A., but, you know, obviously, you know, mutually. Um, shoot. All right. I'm about to pull up to Palestine. What's happening? All right. But anyway. <laughs> but that all being said, you mentioned really wanting to get institutions. And you do have some institutions on here. But then you said, you, what what is the importance of having institutions here, and may, maybe that plays into a little bit of the, of the wording of the language here?
1: It does, and I want to address. But I also want to there's everything that is in that letter
0: mm-hmm.
1: is factual. It right. might not be the strongest words, but it's factual. And if right. we're working as journalists, and we're and and we're also, I also looked at this as an empowerment. To journalists that, at the end of the day, if you're a freelancer, freelancers, again, have more freedom. Though that being said, some of the behind the scenes was freelancers' jobs were at risk that were on the list. Right, But staff couldn't sign such a letter, even such a, such a simple, simple letter. Staff could not sign for most Western papers. And I think a lot of people felt, or I know that a lot of people working within media have felt upset, have felt unable to, 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 comment, have not been free to do so, um, have been upset by certain, um, based on some conversations with some journalists have been upset by editorial choices. And yeah. there's, there needs to be a fundamental culture of change in how this place is reported. And that's it. At the end of the day, it is, a, we were giving, um, we were trying to find a way to allow journalists that felt shackled to speak, mm-hmm. to question, and, and to come and show, like, look at this. Look at these numbers. Look, we hope. We hope. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't want this just to be another, and I don't mean this in any negative way, but just to, what becomes a show of performance right. online. I want it to be an impact. It needs to land. It means it needs to mean something. So we need these numbers that are nothing. We're, we're still speaking in our bubble. We need to go bigger. Yeah. and um but you, the you fact that you don't
0: want this to be another you know some some more black boxes you remember the black squares after they killed george floyd it's just come on man thank you but uh, what you doing with these black squares i i love i it, love how you immediately knew what i was about talking that. about huh
1: we talked about that we actually talked about the black referenced. squares yes. we talked about this we don't want this we talked about that so at the end of the day uh I am hoping, we are hoping that we can funda- fundamentally make a change because if, if, such a, if such a simple worded letter that just says, hey, don't kill journalists. Journalists, you know, uh, that should be something any media org would be willing to sign. It shouldn't be problematic. And I think it's also been telling who hasn't signed some behind-the-scenes answers that we've gotten, but of course we're not going to talk about publicly, but it's been sure. very telling wouldn't sign. It's also been very telling how upset so th- th- this letter that is that's certainly not the letter i would have written in my language i can also tell you that mm-hmm. but again i was on strategy i'm like there's the other letters i can sign those if i want to we're play we're we're doing a different we're coming together as as journalists what can we do what impact can we make and again the guidance came from someone i respect from from someone i respect immensely who knew what he was talking about he'd covered four of these already in gaza yeah. um with his family. Uh, so just to say that this letter that is so some would say anemic, mm. I get it. It's, it's one of those like journalistically written in a way that we, we were trying to make it so that nobody would poke holes, that there were no holes. We referenced, we hyperlinked uh, the number of dead journalists are higher. Yeah. yeah. But we're referencing. And again, in trying to protect, to get institutional buy-in uh, and to protect the journalists we reference CPJ. We focused exclusively on CPJ, and CPJ takes a while to update the numbers. So, and is the committee it, to
0: protect journalists?
1: Yes. So uh, we've reached out to them. When are you updating next? And they are very thorough, because and they need to be thorough. Everybody needs to be thorough. So mm. on my personal social media, I'm going to share information from journalists that I know in Gaza. But on this letter, because we we're having to navigate a very different reality that behind the scenes shit that, that we, we can't talk about. And mm-hmm. so that decision was, okay, we follow X and we'll update when they update. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of thinking behind everything that's here, but, but, but this maybe even anemic letter, do you know how much hate we're getting from oh, so much hate, like accusing like misinformation, like the honest, but horrific, unethical honest report honest reporting article that came out that was accusing a journalist in Gaza of having embedded with Hamas and then I, I respect the New York Times came out and made a very strong statement and stood beside some people let people go um, I can't verify this yet but there's there's talk that one of the one of the journalists that the Israeli government um, had said were going after them after that honest reporting article one of them um, to, to tell, tell me about this because this is
0: I I may be familiar with this, but may, maybe not everybody. Can you break break this down for me a little bit? Because so, I've seen the comments.
1: Honest reporting is a very problematic uh, journalistic uh, outfit. I put journalists in out in in air quotes, and they mm. will go after any journalist, be they Palestinian or Western, who writes something that catches the ire that they don't like when reporting mm. issues. Uh, uh, you know, whether it's occupation, uh, Gaza, anything. And so they came out with the statement that, and they had names and they said, these these Palestinian uh, photographers from Gaza embedded with Hamas part- participate. There was like very inflammatory accusations. Mm-hmm. And uh, immediately there were statements from people within the Israeli government. These people have put themselves on the list. These people are, you know, accusing them of being terrorists which right. is incredibly numerous. And I respected the New York Times. They came out with a letter immediately saying, these journalists did what journalists do, which is follow things that, you know, and and they they stood beside their their journalists, their, the freelancer that they work with. And that was incredibly powerful and important. And there's a lot of information that has come out. You know, Rafif that was just killed, uh, um, a renowned poet, journalist, professor, mm-hmm. um, and there were fears that it that it was targeted, and and I and, and this I'm not saying I, I can't I haven't verified it yet because I, I've been running and doing other journalism, but there's yeah. talk that one of the journalists that was accused in that honest reporting article lost um, a family member, and they believe that uh, it was targeted. So I'm, I'm not saying that's a fact. I haven't verified that yet, but there's I'm just saying there was there's a lot going on behind yeah. the scenes, and every decision and word that was in and not in, I can't express to you the sleepless nights that we had. And, but, but that, that's the greater strategy. There's, there's stronger letters that you can sign and sign them, but why not sign this intervention? Why not? Why not this one? Why, why attack allies? Why turn? I'm not going to quote her right now because I don't want to, She's caring enough. She but she's she's a Palestinian academic I respect immensely. And she was saying that uh she, this very outspoken, brilliant, that she gets attacked consistently. Mm-hmm. And I said, You? And she said, Yes, me. I get attacked for speaking to Western media. I get attacked for one-state solution. I get attacked for she's like, there's nothing. She's like, and her 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 take on it was. We are wounded. We are wounded. We are sick. She doesn't mean it as an insult, not sick mentally, but just we are a wounded, fractured community, and we don't know how to 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 yield our pain and to and, and, and that's why what I don't understand is why anyone would you might not like the wording, but it's not it's it's a very strategic sound initiative of many. And like and I and I as I've said before, we need all the voices, all mm-hmm. of the roles. Um, so yeah, it's, but I think it's, it speaks to the climate of pain that we're in right now and the sense of futility. I just don't find it particularly strategic to be turning your energy on hating people that are coming together and, and trying to make an impact in, in the field that they can.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the. The stuff that, that you mentioned, you know, this the you know, the allegations that there are journalists who were essentially working with, you know, Hamas who are working who are basically, oh, they're working with them, they're actually just terrorists. This is what's happening. And so calling for saying that journalists shouldn't be killed, you're actually being disingenuous because you're giving cover to people who are actually just terrorists. This is what you're doing. I've seen these comments, and those were some of the first comments that I was getting. And again, if I am getting these, if the black dude in LA is getting these, I don't know what the Arabs who are actually there get. Like, what, I don't, know. I don't want to know. I don't want to read your inbox. No offense. I don't, I don't. I don't know if I'm ready for that. I don't want to see that you don't,
1: shit. You don't want to read the inbox. It has been fascinating. And it was like, it's like, wow, wow, like just equating the journalist to being terrorist. It has been. And I and people are debating, do we delete this, do we this do we engage?" And it's like, you know mm-hmm. what leave it as a record because these comments are so fucking insane. Leave it as a record that something that this anemic wreck that this anemic letter that was written in a very straight journalistic way that would empower and allow as many people to buy in as they could and stand together and hopefully allow institutions to 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 come forward and say yes, protect our journalists um, it's something that a letter that that has pissed people off for not having words like genocide, but this letter has brought so much hate and irrational commentary equating the journalists in Gaza to being terrorists. It's, it's, it's insane, but it, but leave that record online, leave it.
0: Yeah. I mean, on one on one stage, on one hand I can understand why a an institution is hesitant to sign on to something that they didn't make themselves. You know what I mean? People just bureaucratic. And, And I've, I've never been a fan of that ever, ever. Right. And I think the, you know, the more, the stodgier or whatever, shall we say the institution, the more, the more likely, you know, I, I'd love to see, if it's not this, I would love to see, say, a New York Times, say, an L.A. Times, right? I used to work at the L.A. Times, um, say, you know, one of those storied publications, sign on to something akin to this, put out a statement, something akin to this, right? If it's got to be your own thing, you know, do your own thing. I understand that, right? Um, but it's, it's as you said, all, basically every sentence, I mean, this, the sentences feels almost surgical because – all of them, like there's a link to it. If you don't believe it, click the link. The numbers are accurate. I mean, I think one very important mention in here is the fact that you mentioned Israeli journalists are also working amongst personal loss. Objective truth. And in a climate of worsening press freedom. These are things that are happening, right? And so n- nobody's being left out here also, which I think is a a critical thing. Because I think some people certainly would say, listen, man, what they're dealing with is not like what we're dealing with. Cool. Also true. However, if you want everybody able to sign this, I can fully understand why you'd say, listen, everybody's going through it. I mean, yeah, I don't want to make comparisons here. I, I, I think maybe comparisons aren't aren't helpful here. But, yeah, yeah, it's... um. It's, it's, it's wild to see. Yeah. Um, th- this is a good question. Actually, uh, so somebody in the chat right now is asking a question. Um, Beatmaster is asking what would vice media have done with their employees that signed this letter? Was there any pressure when it comes to such things? That's a really good question. Uh, so I can't speak to what they would do now. Um, I do think, were I still there? I don't think they would have done anything to me. I don't think so. Um, your vice is a particular place. It's a very peculiar place. Um, and I think we were all given very, from what my understanding was, we were all given very wide freedom of any sort of expression. I've never seen, I've never actually heard of anybody getting told that post you make, you that post you made, you can't make that or take that down. I've never heard of that. I'm not saying that never happened, but I've never heard of that. And I have personally gone on and on my own account and said things that I was thinking about things happening all over the world. And nobody's ever told me, don't do that. LA Times, that was a different story. Um, And so I think different places. I had a a short version. I had an editor when I was there um, that would not let me use the word racist in an article. I just couldn't use the word. I could I think they said I could say uh like stereotypes or stereotypical but I couldn't say racist. That person's not there anymore. I think they went on to do I forget where they went. They went somewhere else. It doesn't matter. But um you know that's to say that all, all these places are different and I've seen I've seen places circulate I can't remember who so I can't name names but you know circulate memos basically saying hey don't comment about this. And I've also seen people leave because they disagree with their employer. I dig that, too. Um, I, I understand I understand that. I just kind of do whatever I want as a general rule. Um, you touched on this, and this is a question that I had. Maybe somebody might not sign this because they don't feel like it goes far enough or even that it goes too far. Right? I could see that. Um, you know, if they truly believe it, it is supporting terrorists or something like that. And, you know, this is going too far, whatever. Okay, fine. Sure. Don't sign it. Um, I can understand that why might you alluded to this but it sounds like you've seen or or anticipated journalists who might want to sign this but don't because they're concerned about their job security can you talk to me a little bit about that because this really does seem so benign i mean it really is saying hey don't kill journalists it's not even say don't kill civilians in general which i like I would want to, that, that's a letter I want to sign, right, is, hey, leave the kids alone. That, <laughs> I, I I would love to sign that letter as well, but this doesn't even do that. Frankly, it doesn't even do that. It really just says, hey, the people in the blue vest, leave them alone.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, why yeah. might somebody not feel comfortable signing this?
1: I mean, well, there would be, and people I respect immensely, there are those um, Palestinian um, regional you know Arabs from the region who mm-hmm. don 't feel it's strong enough and it they feel wounded because this is important mm. um, and actually in the in the greater group, there were some people that that 's what I liked is that there were points of real where people express dissent and why, and people listen to one another and one 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 journalist said, you know as Palestinians, we are used to our erasure of 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 our nuance, of key words that explain the nuance of what's happening. And and that that wound and, and this particular journalist ended up signing it because she understood the strategy. Mm. But she was explaining why that was hard. And then there are those that again <laughs> they don't feel that it's it's they don't feel that it is describing what is happening on the ground. That you know they would they would like to see the stronger words. And I understand that. Oh my God, I understand that. I um and and people I respect who said, you know, I can't sign that letter because that's not the language that I would use to describe this. And that's fine. And I understand it. And maybe for that's okay. You don't, you don't have to, you don't have to, you don't have to, don't have to sign it. I understand mm, that. Mm, mm. Um, but what is heart So the other, so there's those, there's those that it's, it's, they, they felt too erased it the letter didn't go strong enough. And, yeah. and I don't think some of them fully understand the strategy that we're taking and, 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 the fact that if a letter is benign, is that isn't signed or or allowing those who felt sh- shackled to speak about it. There's there's all kinds of, but it also, there's a lot of revelations in, in, in who would sign, who wouldn't sign, why, um, and, and along with, to answer your question directly, I can't name names. Um, I'm not at liberty to do so, but I can tell you that there have been people who were called in and told you should take your name off of this.
0: Oh my gosh. Um,
1: this benign letter
0: <laughs> as in people. And this, again, you don't have to name names, but pe- people, not a freelancer who can kind of do whatever they want, but somebody who has a staff doing staff some somewhere like they're an employee.
1: I should mention that the first letter, which mm. was a little bit stronger, okay, just a little bit. We're still playing with it. Those were freelancers that we, that were okay. But this, okay. this, there's, Somebody in question I'm thinking of is, is not a freelancer, but I'm, I'm sure there's people that aren't even speaking about it or that haven't signed it for that reason that are freelancers. It's it, But it's the fact that, the, the, you know, there is nothing remotely... This is a journalistically sound letter, mm-hmm. and I don't understand why anyone could not in the institution. Although I will say, of course, some... Um, newspapers don't make any statements at all they don't feel yeah. that that's their role and that is that's that's something we should we should also note that there will be institutions and that's not something that they would ever do right whether it's for the ukraine or otherwise and we should we should note that mm-hmm. but i also think it's telling to see who is is stepping forward and yeah i'm i'm sorry i wish i wish i could talk more freely about oh, it oh no
0: I, no it's it's all, yeah i i understand yeah. that i mean master brought up a good question, which is, would a an individual journalist, whether they're a freelancer or a staff member, be concerned that signing something like this would affect their employment would affect their ability to get a job or keep a job?
1: One hundred percent for a majority, I think a lot of the people who signed that grappled with that when they signed it.
0: Yeah. Did you think about that writing this? Yeah. Really?
1: I did. But I also know I'm also pragmatic and I've seen that right now as a free, living off of journalism as a freelancer is increasingly just not an option. So I also, I had, I was, I, I believe, I always knew that I would put out a letter that was, that was fair. And I was, mm-hmm. you know, I always knew that. I knew that, uh, um, but I also um uh, have less to lose because i think i would already come to the decision mm. beforehand i the, the you know I, I love this i love this field and i think that's another reason that people are so angry the ones who feel the letter didn't go far enough is they're also angry at western media they're livid i actually had someone because we were debating in a smaller group yeah and i was trying to explain to the smaller group why and i was answering why this word wasn't there and why this word wasn't there Just, people I respect immensely um, and, and one was really angry. And I just said, you know, you don't, you've never worked in, in, in media. I was starting to open up to explain. And she said, no, thank God. You know, she said, uh, I, I, I'm an ethical person. <laughs> <And it's, laughs> you know, I, it made me sad, but, but I think there's also a lot of outrage at how Western media has, has, has handled this. And I think that but at the end of the day, when media hits right, when you push back, like you talked about how you couldn't say racism, which is insane. And if you just left, no, man, you've got you've to work that angle from the inside. That's insane that racism wasn't allowed here. You know what word gets omitted often? Hmm. Occupied. Occupied. Hmm. There was a paper 10 years ago that I, I, I haven't worked with again. They took occupied out of my captions. And I was like, why would you do that? And they said, oh, our standard is West Bank. And I said, yeah, but that's not fact i'm like this is fact on the ground this is this is uh, international law this is even the israeli supreme court so these decisions that so you have to push back so at the end of the day we can just say yeah fuck you fuck western media but i think we there's there's changes i mean if you look at the, so has a far way to go, but look at the coverage of, of look at Black Lives Matter, look at police brutality. I remember I, I started to watch America from afar, anthropologically online, like analyzing media. Yeah. I lived there since when did I leave the US? Two thousand and two. Good. Um, I haven't <laughs> more than you know, I came I came here. <laughs> but, but um you know, there was I remember when when, oh my God, I'm so sorry, I'm so tired. Florida, Florida, Traven Martin.
0: Traven Martin, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I remember seeing that coverage and I remember getting a chill and I remember thinking, there's something different happening here. I yeah. could feel, I couldn't, I couldn't articulate what it was. And then George George Floyd, in those words, I, I sobbed. I sobbed, I was angry, but I also immediately felt what was happening here and I saw that link. But I think that that change, I don't, that certainly, it, it wasn't that there was police, police brutality against civilians uh, before. But but I think that there was a change that was pushed partially. This is when social media is effective. Right. I think social media pushed that change. Mm-hmm. And now, if I'm not mistaken, almost every newsroom has someone covering that. It's like a beat. Or there's certainly more resources to it if it's not a beat. There's certainly and more that, resources
0: to it. Yeah, it's, it's, ta- it's definitely taken more seriously if you're not covering... Yeah. So, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. But if, if you're not covering it, you're doing something wrong. And I, even for me, I think what I think Trayvon Martin certainly was one big catalyst. Um, you know, Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri. Right. And, and like you actually I was living outside the States at that time. I was in Japan and I'm watching this online and I'm, re- I'm watching it happening on social media first. And it's almost like social media people on social media sort of forced the larger newsrooms hand. Into almost shaming them into not covering this. If you're not interacting with this, what are you doing? I don't think we're quite there yet. Ne- I don't think not quite there. I don't think we're nearly anywhere near there as far as Palestine. I don't think we're anywhere near that yet. I think. I think no. it's. I think it is in the. I can only speak for the United States. I think it is entirely acceptable. It's socially acceptable to be unaware. Totally fine. Like if, if you're not if you're not up on it at all, um, if you can't find the places on a map, there's there's nothing socially wrong with that, right? I'm not speaking from my own opinion. I'm speaking from observation that this is okay, right? Whereas, you know, we we could of course make the argument of well, what about understanding what's happening in Congo? Can you find Congo on a map? You know, can you find things like that? Sure, sure. We can make these arguments as well. Um, I just mean that I think in the past decade, it has been it has become socially unacceptable to not have some understanding of black Americans' interaction with police and how that so often goes wrong and why and the history behind that and sure yes it is united states and americans in general i'm leaving you out of this because you're Texans, so you're a different category but americans in general um are one of our hallmarks is being very uncreative and very uncurious of like violently uncurious about the rest of the world i think is one thing actually that we do better than almost anybody else um but that has it has become yeah, it's become completely unacceptable, I think, for anybody, any professional journalist, to not understand to some degree systemic racism, even if you don't use the word, understanding that it's not only just a one on one interaction with a cop, it is everything that comes before and after that and around it, you know? And and I think we're not we're not nearly there. We're not nearly there with the Middle East. You know, we, we feel very, very comfortable looking at it from a very, very, very American lens, which, which just it, doesn't it, function, it, you know.
1: It's interesting that you mentioned, and, and, you know, Ferguson. I don't know if you probably know this, but there was a moment where there was this insane interaction on Twitter.
0: Tell, I know Paul what you're St- talking and- about, but tell me about it. Yeah, r- run it back for me. Yes, I was watching that well, and it, I was losing my mind.
1: Yeah, Palestinians giving advice to, to people in the protest in Ferguson, hey, yeah, tear gas, uh, onions, Coca-Cola on the eyes. They were like reaching out and giving them advice about how to handle the tear gas and the attacks and the protest. And if you look on on social media, again, social media, and I'm gonna come to another point about that, social media has been incredible and many, uh, and, and, and some of the most incredible support has come from the black community in the US mm-hmm. who have strong social media followings there have been like uh comedians artists uh Sh- Sean King and in, in different individuals who have used their platforms to talk about Palestine mm-hmm. and and that has been and, and but that that conversation between black lives matter and systemic racism in the US i mean there's there's always been a natural um, alliance, or I won't say alliance, but conversation. And that's been going on for a while. Simultaneously, back to social media. Social media, yeah, I think it played a role, absolutely, in pushing that conversation in yeah. Western and uh, in, in, in Western uh, publications and how they, they, well, not only how, but in some cases talked about it at all. Right. But I think, it, as you said, it's not moved the needle yet here. And I think that, which is hence, having to use that's another i mean it's also painful the surgical you said surgical that's it was painful for almost everyone drafting mm. words that were taken out words that needed to be added in i don't think that the same restraint narrative restraint exists in the us as it does on this issue and i think that mm. that's one is that we've had and it's it was hard it's hard to swallow and again it's back to the issue of erasure of facts of words like occupied that should that they're just facts um and how dangerous it is and what kind of potential impunity when you try to create a gray where a gray doesn't exist and that's uh, yeah. so so yeah there's that pain and then but there's also been conversations about we don't need people outraged that taylor swift was a uh, uh, times you know person of the year and then people there's been like some really crazy like different characters out of gaza but also mortaz this Oh my god this beautiful beautiful photographer 50 15 million followers yeah. and people have put it in his his face inside the time magazine you know cover yeah and people that. saying just livid like we don't need western media fuck western media we don't need it they're saying that we have social media now look at this person has 15 million this but social media also isn't there yet there's been points where it's been successful but points where it's just toxic and until we have our own publications, our own, yeah, we have a long way to go here in our region.
0: I think we all have. I think, I think you certainly do. I think, you know, I think all of us truly have a long way to go. Um, I'm thirsty. <laughs>
1: <laughs> What's in that bottle?
0: this is actually water. This, this conversation, this conversation isn't bad. It's bad. It's been rough, but not bad. It's been rough, but nah, we're not there yet. It's also early for me. Um, I know it's five o'clock somewhere, as they say, but um, maybe I I might throw a a last couple questions to you. Um, So as you've said, a lot of people have been concerned about signing, this thing, which, you know, we fully understand, you know, that, um, but what, what is your pitch to journalists to sign this, to organizations, maybe even more specifically to sign this letter? What, what, what do you tell them? What would you tell them?
1: Damn it. You just dropped that heavy one on me. <laughs> um, okay. I, i would say i would say two different messages i would say to photographers that to because it's not just photographers to journalists i would say these are our people you know perfectly well what their job is and while we all work i think it's not easy especially those that are covering uh uh, so social political issues. We've all had our moments where we've been endangered or stressed or harassed. But I don't think anyone can fathom what conditions um, our Gaza colleagues are going through, of what it is like. I've I've had one call me sometimes when the phones work, and mm-hmm. sometimes just sit silently. and We'd listen to birds. He just wanted just witness. He wanted someone. There'd be birds, and then you'd hear a horrific guttural sounds of the bombs, and then the birds going crazy, and then his child crying. Another time he called me and calmly said, I, I think I'm going to die tonight. Will you promise? Will you promise to get my kids out? There's those personal relationships that people have, but then there's the ones that are that are online. The, the, the Al Jazeera correspondent whose children, oh, all but one child had been killed. And he went out and reported the next day, and as he stood with his microphone and then collapsed briefly. Like, I don't think anyone can understand journalists that were still reporting while they're moving from location to location with their families trying to hope that no one is is, is getting bombed. People that didn't have water for days that if they were lucky would have um, like a cap, a cap of water that they would share between seven, each each family member getting, um, if they were lucky, uh, that w- there was a particular period where it was really hard to get water, getting a thimble, thimble, uh, the top of a bottle, whatever you would call it, cap,
0: yeah, cap. bottle cap, cap yeah. yeah
1: bottle cap um i i just don't think i think this is unprecedented this is unprecedented and i think that as as, as media we should be concerned all individuals um for that and i think that so and, and i would say for the institutions you uh you know we've come a long way there's a lot further to go but there have been conversations and issues of representation and who is getting hired. um I think that we need to we need to be fair and we need to think about the fact that if you are an institution that is purporting to 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 have a high standard of ethics um I can't think of anything more ethical than this than than yeah would I like to expand it to civilians I'd, I'd like to but fine whatever you've got your board you've got your We've brought you a letter at its most basic, basic form. And I again, I can't understand how anyone wouldn't sign that.
0: And just the fact that people, that there are people, again, to acknowledge um, that there are people who are concerned that if they sign this, it'll affect their job prospect or their job security in the present, which is, it, it, it's wild to say because, again, if you read through it, somebody might not like you signing something that is an external you know something from an external organization but this really truly is um asking for journalists to not be killed it it doesn't really go any further than that
1: like you know i i i should also mention if you recall the shooting in vermont of the three palestinians two who are american american uh, dual nationals one of those one of those i say children he's you know he's a junior now at brown but uh i've seen him grow up since he was a child he's the son of one of my best friends oh my god! so there was that was there was also that was the other thing is while all of this shit is going down and you've got colleagues and friends and then you're also just watching like what ethically is happening and then you're doing assignments and you're code switching and then my that was horrific and i i should say that um the coverage of that. And in general, I, I, I would say that there are places that I respect immensely for an immediate journalistically sound So it, academics are behind it as well as journalists and, and, and it's not propaganda. It's just, I would say the I M E U that's what it's, uh, on, on Instagram verified mm-hmm. link. It's just T H uh, E I M E U 702,000 followers. Um, it is phenomenal, and I could not recommend that that link enough. If you're not following Nora Arakat, man, that woman is fierce, and she's she's an ally. She's proven herself as an ally. Black Lives Matter, Black Community, mm-hmm. the, finding the, the 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 spaces that the Palestinian injustice, justice uh, against Palestinian injustice against. Palestinians, injustice against Black and Brown America Intersects. I can't recommend enough. Yeah, man, that 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 is one of the best. Nora Erekat. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not following, uh, you wanted some, uh, let's see. If you're not one of, I think uh, I mentioned him earlier. Wow, he's up to 16.9 million. Motaz, yeah. I, I actually never knew his last name. Or you, you're you probably following him, but maybe some of you guys don't know. Follow yeah. Motaz Azaza, A-Z-A-I-Z-A. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot. But then there's also some amazing books and poetry. You gotta, you know, to understand Palestine, you gotta go into the poetry. You gotta go into why why this place is beautiful, not just mm-hmm. define it on, you know?
0: Yeah. I'm not gonna give you extra homework because I gave you enough already. And I made you stick around with me for almost two, for two hours, I think I've had you on here. I'm so sorry. Thank you so much for for being I, so.
1: You're an amazing host and this has been actually incredibly healing for me uh, to even articulate things that I hadn't thought about or hadn't said out loud. So thank you for inviting me and and sharing the space.
0: That is so kind of you to say, but that does make me ask an extra question which somebody just asked is um, (laughs) how were you, I wanna do two things. I I wanna show, um, so this weirdly, I have like friends in super weird places. So this is a dude I've known forever. I wasn't going to do this, but I saw a friend post this. Um,
1: Depressed? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So this is a friend who I know him, man, from rap stuff. From like hip hop stuff, right? And this guy has gone on to be, if if you've ever seen the images of grime MCs in the UK as royalty, this is yeah. him. This is my yeah. This is this this is my dude. Yeah, I know him from like forever ago. We used to talk online about music and stuff like that. This, this is my guy, and I got to interview him actually in 2015 when he started making the pictures of uh you know Stormzy. And, and all these other dudes, uh, you know, depicted as royalty. And he he was really a pioneer in that. But he'll take things. He moved on, not moved on, but he also has started to do things that if something is happening in the world, he'll make this image of it that just works. And sometimes, it t- sometimes it's immediate. Sometimes it takes time. But he sent this. And I, I talked to him a little bit yesterday about it um and we were both just talking about you know he's not a journalist himself um although I would say some of the things he does are are kind of you know they describe current you know events and culture in real time you know um you know also notice the comments are off because as you said it's really difficult to actually have a conversation about this stuff um but, you know, he—he he, no joke, he he posts this yesterday and I hit him and I said, you have no idea about the timing of this, man, because this letter is about to drop tomorrow and I'm about to have this conversation tomorrow. It's it's just the timing of it is wild. Um, but that that takes me, though, to another question is, I mean. I, I know you're in a different spot, but. How are you dealing
1: I, by the way, when I, when I read depressed, I just like that, that, that was incredibly smart. Um, yeah. I, uh, I think that like the letter was just a, when you feel this sense of futility, like the mm-hmm. letter that we worked on together, I think it, it just gave us a little, and again, I hope it's not diluted. I hope, like I said, I it, that it lands, that this isn't just, I, my God, there's nothing I want more than it landing and meaning something. But I also think it gave us something to focus on and give us a sense of agency. But um, I cry all the time now. I cried this morning when I went. I told you I was doing this sort of like political, spiritual, what does it mean? Because, you know, in solidarity, they canceled Christmas officially. Bethlehem canceled Christmas. Um
0: that, so I was back up. I'm sorry, man, for all the like Fox News talking about Christmas getting canceled. You we can't have a white Santa Claus no more. Y'all got too woke. We crancing Christmas. You gotta say happy holidays. They canceled Christmas in Bethlehem. Yes, because there's two you know, it's it, the
1: strikes, which there was a strike yesterday. Strikes are common here. Like I can't tell you four or five times, sometimes ten times a year. Kids' school is uh, canceled tomorrow. There's been too many killed uh, in the middle of the day. And get your kids' school is canceled because it's like, and it's frustrating as a parent because you're like, fuck you. First of all, you're worried about the interruption. I'm going to come back to Christmas. Trust me. I'm categorical. Okay. <laughs> it, it makes sense, but you just got to roll with me. Uh, you, know, you know, it's frustrating as a parent. You're worried about the disruption to your kids' education. But then you also know, like, okay, status quo, which is already tenuous and horrible under occupation, it's not okay. It's not okay. Um, we can't just go on with normalcy. And that's kind of when uh, the strikes happen. Um, Christmas, in this case, people, I've, I've never felt that people walk are walking around like zombies. People that I know and love are just sitting and doom scrolling. And I mean, I've never seen... And so, Chris, there, you couldn't you couldn't have even though the economic well, at the end of the day, there's there's no tourism. And if, at the end of the day, if there were tourists, they, they they'd be stuck, they'd be trapped, they wouldn't know how to navigate in and out of Bethlehem right now. But mm-hmm. it was just like, how do you have celebration? How do you have celebration when this is happening? And, this, and again, don't forget, there's a Christian Gaza community as well. Not to say that, but it's just. I'm, don't forget that even though they are forcibly separated and can't touch each other, you're talking about people that almost everybody either has a family member mm-hmm. in Gaza or a friend. Like I said, my 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 twelve-year-old daughter's best friend had nine family members die, killed, killed. Um, so you can't just go about life as normal. So they canceled Christmas. That's un, you know, that, that hasn't happened. And I, in fact, I, I have to. I'll have to look back in the intifadas. I can't say it's never happened, but. It certainly never happened since I've been living here. It's not something common. And this morning I went so so I've been working on the story for two days, you know, what what does it mean with the cancellation of Christmas, politically, emotionally, economically, right? So i I was trying to find characters to kind of and I ended up in a convent this morning. Oh. And I just was too cold. I just kind of in fact, nuns used to scare me. I was like, I don't I don't know what's gonna happen. <laughs> <You know? laughs> This Argentinian nun just. Uh, first of all, I, I rang a doorbell. this giant convent, and this door, con- uh, convent, and the door opens, and it's this vast, peaceful, and this convent overlook is right across from uh, the Haitian refugee camp, which has been taking a lot of uh, military incursions of late. Yeah, and I walk in, and this Argentinian nun comes out and hugs me and says, "Welcome," and I have my cameras. I'm like, "I," and she's like, "Yeah, I, I didn't even need it." She goes baba noel baba noel that's santa claus she's like baba noel is inside right now i'm like what <laughs> and by chance there was three people who decided they wanted to bring a little bit of joy to children and they felt okay they felt okay this isn't we're not disrespecting our you know and they came and they did a performance to these kindergartners and this convent nine, not even 100 of the kids in this kindergarten are muslim kids yeah and I walk in, and there's Baba Noel. There's 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 Santa Claus, and he's in the chair, he's feeling sick, and there's a clown, and there's a doctor, they're trying to cheer him up. And what's wrong, Santa? And he he he'd been sinful or he'd felt sin, but he got better. And then they made a little comment about Gaza and 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 then they started dancing, and then the kids, these little kindergartners started bopping up and down. And it was just so beautiful to see something beautiful and kind that I started weeping. That mm. shit isn't normal. I'm not somebody that's going to weep in those situations. But I started weeping because mm-hmm. it was just so kind and, and, and beautiful. And then the nun was super interesting because, you know, I talked to the, the Palestinians that I spoke to, the teachers, they all talk, spoke about how their hearts were breaking and how there's no way that they could celebrate Christmas. But the nun, listen, she didn't interrupt them. She just kind of nodded. And then she pulled me to the side and she was like, you know, Christmas isn't canceled. And she was like, people need to think. She's like, the injustice from 2,000 years ago, Jesus was in poverty. And Jesus ended up on a, a, by the way, I'm I'm recounting what the nun said. I'm not, I'm not religious. Like Jesus ended up on a cross. And she's like, the humanity inside of us is what matters. Christmas isn't canceled. We have to pray. We have to pray. We have to pray. And it was just like these kinds of conversations. uh, It's, it's. Yeah, I don't know. So, so how to stay okay. I'm, I'm not okay, but then you don't have the right not to be okay. When you know that you're operating, I have water, I'm not getting bombed. So you can't really not be okay. But yeah, yeah.
0: I've, I won't even endeavor to compare. Um, I can only say that I have occasionally had glimpses of that, you know, where I've been, I've been watching what's happening here. Um, you know what I'm thinking? Protests of 2020 and at the very least having some purpose, feeling like you can do something. Um, It at least kicks the can down the road. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I feel like a lot of times that that's what it is. And and this is these are conversations I've had with you know with people who've who spent time there who who've covered it who are covering it. It it feels a lot of times like you're kicking the can down the road, and and that's the reality. And and I think even you know with social media, it's like I have friends who tell me that they open up say Motaz's feed and just cry. One of his got me you know it was it wasn't even it wasn't the really uh you know cuz the ones that are really you know frankly gruesome um images i think the one that got me was the, it was just this dad crying and you don't see anything other than it's just he crying and it's just this guy and he's just crying and i just completely lost it you know um you know probably sitting on my couch or something like that and yeah how how can you how can you, and I'm feeling this, right? I'm feeling this. I'm in Los Angeles, man. I'm good, right? And I feel this. Like, on I think on the 8th or something like that, you know, early, early October, I had a DJ gig. And I'm, like, half there as I'm, like, playing rap music and thinking, what am I doing? Like, literally, actually, what am I doing? and and i I know some people also there felt the same ways. How can we possibly have fun right now? How can one have fun? And I suppose that never stops and so i again, if I'm feeling that here, I can only really only imagine um what that what that experience is when you're there and you're constantly asking people about it, talking to them, you know hey, what is your experience? Not only, you know, not, maybe not having time to, you know, sit with your own experience, but, you know, ask, you know, talking to a nun, you know, going and seeing some kids, you know, some Muslim kids, you know, watching the Santa Claus hopping around on a stage, you know, I, I, I can only imagine that, but, you know, it is something that we're all, we're all worried about, frankly. You know, I can't slice it any other way. Um, but, yeah, but thank you for telling me about that. That's. Like thank, I said, you for I signing, imagine.
1: thank you um, for signing the letter, even though, by the way, off topic, but thank you for signing the letter, even though you would have liked maybe to use stronger language. I, I appreciate that you saw what we were what we're trying to do.
0: You know, I mean, yeah, I, I looked at it for me Um I appreciate you saying that um i don't think i i did anything worth being thanked for but i i can tell you why i did um if this is truly an industry in which signing something so benign affects my job prospects in the future i want to be here now i say that saying that i have a lot less to lose than a lot of the people i don't have kids i gotta feed you know, what I mean, like I, I'm OK in that regard. And so I understand that some people do have more to lose than me, fully understood. But for me, the, the reasoning to sign is is twofold. It's one. If this is if this is something, you know, I, I won't lie. I had that worry a little bit where, yo, if I sign this, am I putting myself on a am I essentially putting myself on a do not hire list? Maybe I would like to believe that, no. I would like to have faith and optimism that no, that anybody who reads this thing and looks at it in good faith will realize, no, this dude's actually just saying that he agrees that people in blue vests shouldn't be getting killed. Basic, right? But then also I feel like if I can be number 501 or if I can be number 1001 or, you know, 2001 or whatever if i can just add the extra little grain of sand you know what i mean like that's worth it um there's a there's a there's a japanese phrase um like even dust if you add it together that creates a mountain that's it's it's bad translation it sounds much better in japanese but like even if even dust if you add dust together creates a mountain right and so for me you know what i mean like i'm happy to be the extra piece of dust. I mean, thank you so much for being down to walk me through the process of creating this thing. Um, and you know, being so open about it. And also again, taking your time after sitting in a checkpoint for an hour, just no, (laughs) not somebody we want somebody to have to deal with. Um, yeah. Anything else we should, we should know before we let you get out of here?
1: No, just thank thank you and, and those who listened. And thank you for, again, being an amazing host and conversationalist. And I learned from you. And I, I, I might be hitting you up for a, an edit. You, you just have a way with words. It just rolls off. So I, uh, I might be hitting you up. So, and you're freelancing like
0: me so let's, let's we, we all free hey listen man this it's the wave it's freelancing listen I, I'm with it Um, but also please um, f- if there's ever anything you want to come on and talk about I think you know everybody in chat everybody in the audience right now is uh, we're, we're accustomed we're, we're used to you you're part of the family now so if you ever want to come back no joke and talk about future work whether it's strictly journalistic or whether it's art type stuff the book please when that's ready please come back um or also, for real, um, any friends you feel like that would be down to come on? You know Who you want
1: to talk to? You want to talk about some hip-hop? You want to talk to Dabur or you want to talk to Shabijdeed? And one of the songs that a lot of people are telling me get them through the days these last two months is Dabur. It's actually a collab between Shabijdeed and Dabur and Anne. And just even if you don't understand the words, but you can you can find the translation online, you want to get those guys
0: on. I'm sorry. Hold on. No, we got it. I know this track. You do? I know. Video? I, because I recognize the video.
1: We got to get them on the show. We got to get the the, the, the photographers in Gaza. You want help me connecting you with anyone? Let me know. I would love to bring, because I think people would just, I think it's just healing and intellectual here and here being with you and your people and I wish, I wish I wasn't reading comments. I don't know. But uh, if you've got crew, they're good. I, I I know just by by listening to you. So, yeah. If I Yo, can connect you with anyone.
0: I would love. I mean, no joke. That That's one of those things I want to do in person. But we should talk. I don't I don't want to you're do that online. Over.
1: I gave I'm you my... the info and I meant it. So, you're just going to come over. You got a place to stay. Oh, no love. We're waiting
0: oh my gosh if I could make an in-person thing happen with them I would lose my mind I would like to tell you I'm cool
1: enough to be the one to make that happen but I'm not the one but I know people who are who
0: (laughs) that's all that matters no clout clout by association (laughs) clout by association is all good yo um I'm going to preemptively end this because I'm getting way too excited. And I know you got to go to bed. I know you got to do things in the morning. But, yo, thank you for real, for real. Thank you so much for coming through. Everyone, once again, thank you so much for coming through.
1: Thank you. <laughs>
0: Bye. Easy. I don't know how you even do an outro after that one. Um, Thank you so much to Tanya for coming on. And, and just explaining so much about the background, not only of her own experience, but of the experience. And, and like I said, the compromises that went into putting this thing together. So if you want to know more, if you want to read the article or the letter yourself, uh, you can find them on Instagram at for our colleagues. Once again, at for our colleagues. And I'll also put a link to that and the letter itself in the show notes. You can check that out. And I know Tanya was really hesitant to talk about her own work in this episode, um, but do check out her stuff as well. I'll put a link to that too. But anyway, with all that said, once again, you have been listening to the Generic Youth Media Brand Podcast. This was episode four. Very astute listeners or uh, people who watch the Twitch stream, Uh, you'll be familiar with the fact that that's actually a guest that I skipped and that's because I'm still editing that. Listen, it's been a busy weekend, um, but I'll be back on schedule. And so the interview with Cindy will be coming out very soon. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. But in the meantime, you know where to find me. I'm Dex Digi on everything. That's D-E-X-D-I-G-I. That's on Instagram. That's on threads. Don't look for me on Twitter because you ain't going to find me. Uh, but Twitch every Tuesday at 12 noon. 9 a.m pacific we do these things live so if you want to catch it live that's where you can do it but other than that and until then stay in tune peace